this week, three sides of the coin. I promise nobody's eating steak this week. This is a real show this week. We are joined by a special guest who toured with Kiss on the Revenge Tour, shares some cool stories, who was singing background vocals during the Revenge Tour. We find out and a lot more. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things Kiss. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. I'm tired of explaining who's here and who's in and who's out. It's Mark. Well, there's only two here, like uh, exactly. I mean, if somebody else shows up during the show, you know, whatever. Hey, oh, hey, oh, it it doesn't matter. We're here. We started the show and we ended the show. Well, some of us started it, and some of us kind of weren't. Well, that's there true. You weren't quite. Well, no, you're at the start. Start here. You weren't at the start of the interview with the guest. Um, so we've got, you know, we've actually got some kiss stuff. I guess you could say we could chat about before we get into our guest. And I don't know if these are going to lead to inserting quarters in either of us. They very well could. Let's start with the one really good one, our good yeah, buddy Ron. Well, I was I was gonna say, yes, let's do Ron, but I want to do a, a a nice shout out to Alex as well because Alex's yeah. DeLorean book is done, and is going to be taking orders very soon. But and photos and everything. It's a five hundred page photo book on DeLorean. If you're a fan of the DeLorean, the automobile. Um, but our past guest, Ron Albanese who's got the Phantom book, the interviews with all the people involved with the Phantom. It's done, and you can go order it on Amazon.com, right? Hold on a second. He waited till his book was finished before he put the orders? I'm just making sure, because I don't know if that's the way. Yeah, that's the way it's, I don't know. Maybe I read something wrong. I don't know. Maybe. No, no, you know, he's he's doing it the way you should do it. Why, the way a professional does it, the way a real author a real businessman would do it um ron's book um <laughs> conversations with the phantom right that's the name i don't have it in front of me yes. so. um is done head over to amazon you can find links to pre-order i think paperback and hardcover i don't think there was a digital version listed yet um but he's got a publisher it's done go support a man Please go support. Hey, what, a, what a great guy he is, and he put a ton of passion into this. So, yeah. Um, and and as soon as Alex has a link to pre to to order his finished book, we'll make sure to send that to everybody as well. It's just great seeing authors deliver on what they promised. Um. Let's see. Do we want to talk about that other book at all? Not now. I'm I'm just going to throw out there that other book that we've been alluding at. I will bet you it doesn't come out this year. Again, just so to clarify, nobody here said it's never coming out. But I'm guessing, and I hope I'm wrong, and I honestly, in the most sincere Christian way, I, I, I really hope I'm wrong and I hope everybody 
who spent money gets it in their in their mailbox before Christmas. But not happening. I'm I'm guessing any minute now the January 2021 new date is announced sometime soon. And again, pay attention. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you get it. And I hope it comes out. But if uh, if we're all honest with ourselves, um, I don't see it happening. Well, but doesn't well, mean it's not. We're we're on what six years of it's coming. It's coming. It's almost done. It's almost done. It's almost done. Just a little bit more work. So that doesn't add up in my book. You're not almost done for years. Simple yeah, as that. Again, if we stay on this topic, we're going to be here for two hours. Yeah, we'll put a quarter in. Uh, let's let's go to another interesting topic that's kind of reared its, quote, ugly head again. Rachel. Oh, boy. Ace Fraley's ex-girlfriend, Rachel. As you said, you oh, guys, boy. Have you guys seen the video? I'm, I watched I, all hours of it. I did not watch the video for one reason only. I didn't want to lend any credence as in here's another play to a bunch of literal trash talk. I can imagine what she said because I've seen her comments that she's posted on Facebook. So if you listen, I mean, how bad is it? Well, I liked it because during the interview, they were flashing. She's really cute. <laughs> they were flashing pictures of her throughout. But all kidding aside, I just, I, I actually wanted to hear if she was going to talk about any of the recordings that, you know, she's got this little auction thing going on. And I was just curious. And, and just to let you know, it, there was almost zero discussion of that other than, I have these things. Okay. Well, I, that, I literally put two hours in, you know, while I was at my laptop working today, um, hoping to hear her at least go, Oh, these, this set of demos or this came, you really you didn't get any of that. So if you were list, if you wanted to watch that or listen to it for any sort of substance, you know, substance of stuff you'd actually care about, You'll be disappointed. I will tell you some of the most vile, horrible shit rumors and garbage was spewed in that. Um, and, and I got to take a little umbrage with the host. Now, as I've said many times here, I'm not a journalist. I'm just some dumb fuck from Detroit who sits in his, literally sits in his basement and talks to his friends. So I'm no journalist. But I thought that guy who did the podcast should have at least jumped in. I don't know, maybe. I don't know, 40 to 80 times going, Hey, you know, can we steer this? I, I didn't, I didn't like how he just, the, the free reign and the crazy talk that, that went on. And I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess my whole lot of thing there. I, 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 I want to avoid all of that. Not because, you know, okay. I want to avoid it, not because Gene and Paul are telling us to avoid it. I want to avoid it because it's absolute garbage and trash that's being spewed. I mean, that's true. It's, it's just absolute disgusting what's being spewed. Now, if you're going to spew that, you better come right out with evidence. 
and proof. And your, your hearsay that it happened is not evidence and proof. Just watch Judge Judy, baby. Yeah, Judge Judy eat this up. Shut it down. Shut it down. So, yeah, I mean, it's sad to see it. Uh, you know, sadly, though, it's also, oh, gee, another ex-Ace Fraley girlfriend going nutso. Well, the funny part is, I'm just going to, because I did listen to the whole thing. She said that she reached out to Ted Nugent because she met Ted years ago. Huh? Like, what's Ted going to do? Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. Like, Ted's going to side with you over Ace, Gene, (laughs) Paul, Doc? Doc? (laughs) Just... that's how come I said there there is a level of crazy that I actually feel sorry for but one of the things that really bothered me about this is she's begging for money from Gene and Paul like they owe her something and and just because and put it this way say everything she said is true which it's a hundred percent not but just say it is Okay, let's enter her her world. Everything she says is true. Okay, if it's all true. Why did why do they owe you money for that? Because you know each and every one of their darkest darkest fucking secrets. So that means that they now need to pay you. I think there's a word in the English language. Uh, Mike, have you heard that word extortion? Is there's that's a word, right? Yeah. Um. So that's what you want. I mean, again, why didn't this guy, if I was interviewing somebody, and again, I'm not a journalist, I'm not an interviewer, I'm just like you, I'm just on the other side of the camera. Um, I would raise my hand and go, um, that's extortion. You, you can't like make all this stuff and expect payments and then I'll shut up. That, that, it's not how, that's not how we work in a civilized society. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so it, it, it's a train wreck. It's a mess. It's a disaster. Uh, I have, you know, we have no insight as to what's going on, but it's pretty disgusting. I mean, the stuff that was coming out this week was using the word pedophile. And I'm just like, all right, now that's really crossing the line. Well, again, since I did listen to it and I, I listened to it hoping to get some substance and I can tell you it's two hours of nothing. The interviewer guy Just because, Mike, you know, listen, he missed, I don't know if he misheard her or didn't want to hear her properly. He thought literally up until the end of the interview that Gene went to Wines. Who's the guy with the, with the, the pedo island or whatever? Um, oh, Epstein. Epstein. <laughs> Finally, she had to tell him after almost two hours, look, I said that he knew some of Epstein's Friends, he never went to the island where the whole time he's like, Gene's going on the island with I. No, no. And I kept wanting to yell at the, the, the fucking computer oh, screen. Oh, God. Going, you are so goddamn stupid. Again, the, if I could, if I, I'm glad I watched it for the fact that I can at least tell you guys because it's, trust me, it's not worth watching. It's fucking horrible. But I still had bidding to do. I had two large chops. It was, it was a good two hours. I had it on, you know, I was firing away at my calculator all day and I, I, it was just a train wreck. 
I would not recommend anyone else paying a lick's worth of attention to that thing. I know moving forward, I'm not. But I did, I did hope that she was going to be talking about the unreleased songs because I'm real geeky about that stuff. But that never came to fruition. I mean, so. and, and, you know, and the reality on that is I imagine she doesn't know anything about any of that stuff. She probably she literally, literally has does. a box of tapes that just say something on it, and she's never listened to them. She doesn't know the story behind them. Correct. And I found that out, uh, like I said, probably three quarters of the way in going, I don't think I'm going to get the payoff I'm, I'm hoping for. No, no, no happy did. ending from that interview. No, no not at all. <laughs> Although, yeah, I'm going to go on record. She's really cute. So. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's, let's end that, that talk. Um, I've just heard this today and I haven't read anything, seen anything about it, but Doc McGee's got an estate sale. Yes, I actually knew about it a few, you know, where's Tommy with the bell? Yeah, I ding, was, ding. Yeah, I was cued in about it a few days ago. And because uh, someone told me, like, you should drive down there because I think it's this weekend. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, you know, but it, it's, you, it's last weekend as you're listening to this. Yes. And, and that, you know, Tennessee from here is probably like, I don't know, like eight hours or so. But I, I don't know, man. Just. Got the kiss doesn't look. Is is is, the is, is there is there something online that you can go look at what he's got or a list? I think you have to go there and pick it up. It's an estate sale. I can only imagine some of the cool shit Doc's got. Well, I will tell you, I was more fit. There's a ton of guns and really cool stuff. Um, as far as kiss stuff, it looks like he just got one of every Spencer's item. I didn't see as a kiss collector. I didn't see anything there. I went. Holy fuck! I got to get a hold of somebody to go over there, or, or I'm going to take you know my Saturday and drive eight hours. Because me, trust me, me if there was gold record awards and shit that I wanted, I'd fuck hell. Well, I'd be I, I was just going to say, so maybe the estate sale is to get rid of the garbage, and the good well, stuff I, is going to be saved I, for an auction. The kiss stuff. It says all the kiss stuff will be upstairs, whatever that means. And it says, please take it to your car as soon as you pay for it. So in other words, they don't want you loitering around. Um, the KISS stuff, it looks to me as to be about 3 to 5% of everything else is what you'd see in a standard estate sale. Right. Tables and chairs and furniture. And But man, he had a gun collection. Rifles? Wow. Um, I'm not a gun collector, but I like guns. And um, But I mean, he had some really cool rifles and stuff so i don't know there's some i don't know feel free to go down well by the time you watch this it'll be over with yeah well so if if you're listening to this and you went to it let us know yeah new dude that's my best canadian and it's not really um good. anything else we want to chat about yes how about the uh kiss alive stuff that's uh the kiss view masters 2020 baby. is is that that's a cool merchandise surprise. Well, Seeing I can tell you, I was very, very happy. Um, matter of fact, of uh, the one, oh, I got it right here, actually. Um, Keith was like, do you have this shirt? Because you'll see it when you see it. This is an actual, this was the tour shirt they sold at the Kobo, Kobo Hall uh, video that we have on Kissology. Mm-hmm. This is that shirt. Excuse okay. me. This is an. 
This is okay. a genuine sold at the concert shirt. Anyways, um, Keith needed that image. And if you noticed on the shirts that are for sale on the on, on Kiss Online, that's one of the images. He wanted to make sure it was the right one. And um, and I know he won't get mad if I say this, but the, a day or two before those things came out, he's like, just, you know, what do you think of this stuff? When I saw the Viewmasters, I about fucking fell over. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the fucking greatest thing. It's the coolest thing. It's new photo. Well, I shouldn't. It's not new, new photos, but it's it's different photos that were than what were in the original Viewmaster. Yeah. So I, I bought uh, bought the poster. I bought a couple of the shirts. Obviously, I bought the vinyl. I haven't been buying that stuff, and I've been vocal on here uh, about not not getting um, those things because there was nothing new. But as you guys know, if you're fans of the show or you know friends of the show. You know how much Kiss Alive means to me. It's it's the one. If it wasn't for Kiss Alive, I wouldn't have any of this stuff. Kiss Alive literally changed my life. Um, made me want to be a drummer. It really solidified. This is the kind of music that I like. Um, this is the band I love. The image just. Kiss Alive is the be all end all. It's my favorite record of all time, and. I'm like, got to get this one. I just felt compelled. I'm, I'm, Plus that, that, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the Crazy Nights special packaging. I think you're going to be waiting a while. <laughs> <laughs> but all kidding aside, that poster looks incredible. The Viewmasters look great. There's a little button set. Um, you know, just uh, I, think they, I think they did a really nice job. And again, you know what? I, I thought... Uh, I'm probably going to be buying some of those uh, double platinum shirts. I, I like those. You know, again, I, overall, I'm, I'm not into buying the stuff for the umpteenth time, but, you know, I got to be a little bit of a hypocrite. Some, this stuff. Sometimes they re like, like I, I, I haven't bought it, but the, the Viewmaster on the Alive was one of those things where you're going, oh, now this makes it really fucking cool yeah. the, you know i I, I, cool. I had no i don't think anybody thought of and i don't know why over the years nobody's ever thought of redoing the Viewmaster. it seems obvious so when it showed up there it was like now that's fucking cool i you know if i wanted to spend the money that one i would get i don't need one of those other album reissues where you get a set of coasters or something like that it's like okay coasters who gives a crap you know, but a, a new Viewmaster, that was, that's sharp. Yeah, that, uh, that, that really sent me over the edge going, you know what, I, I think I got to get this. This is, uh, you know what also though too, you know, I, I love the fact that they put a little imagination into it. Like you said, this isn't coasters. This yeah. isn't just another, like someone went, because let's face it, you know, you, you and I are both business guys. Someone had to go. All right. Now you want a Viewmaster, but we have to make these things. How much is it going to cost? Where are we going to get yeah. new photos from? You know, all yeah. of that has to be produced. And, and I think they went, okay, because I don't know how many they're making. I don't know. I don't think it said on there that there was a limited amount. But at some point, if you're a business guy, you got to go, okay, 
you know, you just can't go down to your local photo mart or whatever and have somebody print you out Viewmasters. Right. I mean, who even does that? Oh, well, that's the so, whole thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not a cheap So, in other words, I'm rewarding them for, I'm rewarding them with my wallet for a little fucking, you know, way to go, way to put yeah. some imagination. Because that's what Kiss is. You put some imagination into it. And even the poster, too, is supposed to be like, I don't know, a hologram or something. I was like, see, that's and if I support this, maybe the next one will, will be even better, cooler. Better. Yep. Because yeah, because again, I, I just don't. A, a lot of that stuff, you know. I thought the double platinum tumblers looked good, but I, I really thought they dropped the ball on the the solo albums. One, I'm like, I just didn't think it. it to me, it was okay. Really, I just didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I sort of look at it as if. If most of what you're getting is a T-shirt, a poster, some sort of shot glass tumbler coaster, that's not imaginative. That that's easy enough for anybody to put together that. Now, Mario Speedwagon could do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now the Viewmaster took somebody who was a Kiss fan to go. You know what? Redoing the Viewmaster would be a fucking coup. Because I, rem I remember when we started redoing the lunchboxes back, I don't know, was it around the Psycho Circus Tour or whatever? I mean, that was one of those moments where we're just like, why the fuck did nobody think of redoing lunchbox? The lunchbox was so classic. And people loved it. Now, it got overkill. But, yeah, hats off to the KISS team who came up with the Viewmaster because that was that was good outside the box thinking and then executing it. You know what one of my favorite outside the box things, and it's not new, it's probably from the early 2000s. Obviously the KISS trash can, the one from the 70s, it's really cool, but I love the one that the um, KISS coffee house put out with Ace on it. You ever seen one of those? I think I remember seeing a photo of that. Oh, I, I have one. And then, surprise, surprise. Where's Tommy? Ding. Um, but that's, re I, 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 that's sitting right over there. I actually, I like that thing. You know, I was like, again, all right. That's not something that you, again, that's not a, a towel or a coffee mug or something. I was like, someone fucking put a little bit of thought into that. Yep. The, it took you more than two seconds to go, okay, well, we're going to get these well, made, it, you know? It took a KISS fan because, again, if you're not a KISS fan, redoing, you know, the a, a garbage pail is not the first thing you think of. You, you, The go-to is what you see all the time. Tumblers, coffee mugs, coasters, pins, buttons. Keychains, something super yeah, silly. Something, something that works for every single brand out there you know the trash can i sure you can put anybody's picture on the trash can but the kiss trash can means something to the kiss army yes and and it took and, a kiss fan to know that the view masters man as soon as i seen that picture i was like it took me a second because i was like shocked i'm like because i'm looking at me you know i'm i'm, I'm like because you sent it on the on my phone you know i'm my whatever I, I am and I'm like motherfucker 
that's that's Viewmasters. Oh my God. I know when I, when, when, I, when I first looked, the picture popped up, it made me actually clip, click through to the store because I'm like, okay, what's the catch? This, is, this has got to be like a cardboard recreation of the Viewmaster or something along. And it's like, no, it's a fucking real plastic one. And look at all the fucking, the, the, the photos you get with it. And it's not just the photos from the original Viewmaster. It's like, okay, this is I'm so hoping legit. It's got, I'm hoping it's got a cool package to it. I mean, even if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I, I'm hoping they, because I love like the little 78, you know, the, the actual yeah. one. I, it's really cool looking. So. Yeah. So hats off. Good, good, good job on that one, guys, for sure. For sure. I'm trying um, to think what I, you know, there. anything else? There's nothing. I mean, Paul keeps popping up on Twitter, making posts. Gene's still posting on Twitter. Tommy posts stuff every once in a while. I don't, Eric's not active on social media. No, no, he's pretty, I mean, that's, he's busy with his, you know, personal stuff. I talked to him yesterday for about 15 minutes. Um, you did. Ding, ding. Um, no, no, we talked about something else, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, there's he's, nothing, he's staying busy. So. No, nothing's changed with tour dates or anything it you know it's groundhog day around here again it's just another week same old gotta keep yourself but next week is 400 oh though. oh well okay i guess we got to address we got to address the train wreck that we threw up as a show last week if you're still <laughs> listening and haven't given us the finger and said that's it you guys lost me i'm sure there's some of you that are still listening who we lost you get what i said there um you know uh, here's 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 what happened so last week we had uh, a guest scheduled who has been rescheduled for a few weeks down the road who had technical problems and it was literally as we were getting ready to start it all fell apart and we were just like, I don't know what we talked about. Let's just take the week off. Fine. No problem. It was going to be no show. Then end of last week, Izzy, God, we love Izzy. He's always good for some laughs. Uh, took a road trip back home to Minnesota. And on his way home, he stopped in Texas. And he went to, I can't even remember the name of the restaurant place that had a 56 ounce now their big one they actually had a 70 ounce steak and he didn't want to try that one they had a 56 ounce steak and he was going to do the challenge to eat a 56 ounce steak in one hour and i gotta tell you when i heard that i'm like if somebody's going to be able to do that it's going to be izzy i just felt like izzy could inhale a steak he Facebook lives his entire attempt at eating this steak. And let's, let's just say after about 30 minutes, he tapped out and couldn't do it and had half the steak left. And watching it was like, it was like a train wreck. It's like, you, can't, you shouldn't watch it, but you got to keep watching it. The guy was just like, you swear... I, if you listen closely, there was a point in time where the waitress came by and was like, you're not going to puke on my table, are you? 
It was just such a bad train wreck of watching Izzy stuff his face with steak. And here's where I think he went wrong. He was also eating fried shrimp. He also had bread. I think he also had a baked potato and a large glass of beer. It's like, dude, there's not going to be any room for 56 ounces of steak if you have all of that. So, you know, am amateur when it comes to eating big time professionally. I will tell you, though, this weekend, now, granted, there was six, eight of us. We went through in Maine. I don't, I don't know if you saw some of the pictures of mine. We went through in four days, 47 lobsters. Now, now, I kid you not. So when Izzy was doing this live, I shared it to the three sides group. And there were people who were immediately like, all right, I want a, an eating challenge between Mark and Izzy. The winner yeah, pays the bill. Not, but here's the problem. You, I know you would beat him hands down. You wouldn't even break a sweat beating him. Well, it depends because I, believe it or not, you, a lot of people won't believe I don't like steak at all. I like hamburger a lot, like meatloaf and stuff. I love. I don't like regular steak. Never have. I, I would say, you know, we pick, we let each of you guys pick a large portion of whatever your favorite food is, but it's got to be an overly large portion. It can't just be one crab leg. It's got to be. Oh, I go Alaskan Kings, man. Yeah, it's got to be like 20 of them or whatever. And Izzy's oh, got to be like. Fucking 20 in my sleep. Izzy's got to be like, all right, it's 7-Eleven pasta, and I'll have 10 helpings of 7-Eleven pasta. All right. By the way, by the way, Sorry. I don't know if you know this. If you talk to Tommy no. about we're going down to Florida together in a few weeks, and I perp, he's like, I want to go to that place you eat all the all-you-can-eat crab. And I said, well, it's only Monday and Tuesday, and we have plans on Tuesday. I said, so you're going to have to be down before Monday. I said, let's get there on a Sunday, and then Monday evening we'll walk from the hotel. And he's like, oh, yeah. He goes, this is – I said, this is the one that Liz and I – I've been going to for the last 20-some years. Every Monday night they have all-you-can-eat crab. He's like, oh, I can't wait. So, <laughs> so we're going to have to Facebook Live that one. Because honest, oh. honest to God, I'm Mark. Just based off of the way I watched you handle the pizza at the New Jersey Expo that we went to, <laughs> I mean, you 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 were so calm, collected, and in charge. It was like there was, you knew what you were doing. Izzy was way out of his league when it came to this. Way <laughs> out of his, you could see him worrying and sweating and any anyway. Long story short. Izzy said, go ahead. You can post that video as the next week's episode of Three Sides. And I'm like, okay, better than having nothing. I will post this as it. Now, we can't post it and just say, watch Izzy eat a steak because nobody, no one would, tune in. nobody would tune in. So I'm like, okay. I'm putting a the cover photo is a picture of Paul Stanley on the phone, similar to what we had the week before with Ace Fraley on the phone. And the title of the show is going to be The Ghost Musicians on Love Gun. That's going to get everybody interested. And I apologize. 
but we rickrolled you is basically what we did. <laughs> you hit the play button thinking you were going to have Paul Stanley telling us about the ghost musicians on Love Gun. Nope, you got 30 minutes of Izzy Presley stuffing his face with a steak. <laughs> Some people would say we dick rolled you. <laughs> whatever, whatever we rolled you. And it honestly pissed off. Here, I had a bunch of people get trying to, you know, I am and me and shit. I'm like, I'm not even, they'll figure it out. Oh, Look, I, no, I had a bunch of people who were like, oh, I think you mistakenly uploaded the wrong thing. It's just Izzy. I go, no, that wasn't a mistake. Um, here, let me. By the way, I had nothing to do with it. That was all my. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I was, this was all me. This is all me. This is, Tommy had nothing. Mark had nothing other than they knew it. And, you know, I gave them the chance to say no. And they were like, no, go for it. So. Let me just read you some of the comments this week <laughs> on YouTube. It's oh, great. by the way, I'm, I think it's funny. <laughs> oh, it, it is, I think it is super funny. You got to have a sense of humor. So uh, one Jack writes, "Why?" <laughs> Matt 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 writes, "What kind of horseshit is this?" <laughs> Henry, three sides music from the elder. Um. What about Rob? All you needed was the butthead character with him. Um, <laughs> let's see. I run into one Sean. I I brought you guys into my kitchen so I could watch while I prepare my steak, and you boned me. <laughs> <laughs> you have me searing up a steak right now, you bastard. <laughs> Um, uh, let's see. This reminds me, this reminds me of when Howard Stern had his shirtless fat guy, high pitch Eric eating wings for a half an hour while a Christmas Yule log video played in the background. <laughs> Jared Frank. I feel like I got a workout just watching that. Um, Cece wasted time and disgusting. You had my attention till now. Kelly, food coma. Steven, why am I watching this guy eat? I don't know if I want to puke or shut it off. I've been watching Three Sides for a long time. This is terrible. Another guy, Greg, 30 minutes of this guy eating? I, Anthony, I can't believe I just watched all of this in its entirety. Izzy, I would have tipped you a 20. I mean, <laughs> look, sorry if you guys, some of you literally got upset and pissed and bent out of shape it was all humor and a lot of people got the humor i mean it is what it is if if you didn't like it you just hit the stop button and you're done that's it i mean honestly and and we started right out with izzy we didn't lead you into it so when you first saw izzy sitting down with a steak you should have known leave it was funny though. It was funny. That was funny. So may maybe we will put together a, a, an eating competition between Mark and Izzy. But I got to tell you right now, my money is Mark. You'd blow him away. If we make it out to LA in a, in a couple months, that would be nice. We could we could put something together like that. Yeah. Um. All right. We got a special guest this week. He's returning. He was just here a few weeks ago, part of uh, quarantine. But now he gets to come back and talk all he wants without being interrupted by Chris Jericho. This week, we've got 
PJ Farley from Trickster sitting down with us, talking about being a KISS fan, talking about touring with KISS, some cool stuff. We uh, even learn who was singing some of the background vocals on the Revenge Tour. I hadn't heard this before. Very cool. Makes complete sense, though. But anyway, PJ Farley, let it roll. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. everybody we want to welcome back this is a fast return we want to welcome pj farley back but you're flying solo this time you don't have to deal with chris jericho hogging the spotlight do you i'm gonna get a word in edgewise yeah, exactly <laughs> sorry chris we love you man we love you <laughs> but listen you guys might be able to talk too that's true that's true um so you know and i I think we had, we had alluded to it. Come on, Kat, get out. Well, and Mark's not here either, so we will get to talk. Yeah. Everybody. So this works out good. So we alluded to it the last time you were here. We would get you back to share um, KISS stories because, you know, as a KISS fan, you should realize Trickster opened for KISS. Correct. So I'm sure you've got some stories about that, and you're a KISS fan, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. sure so let, 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 let's start with you being a KISS fan. When, when did you first become a fan? When were you first introduced to KISS? I don't remember the age, but I'm going to say five or six, maybe okay. seven. I don't remember the, the age, but I remember I, my first KISS record, I think, was Alive. And um, and then everyone after that. But um, yeah, I was really young. I mean, it was really, I went from Bay City Rollers to Kiss. And and did, did somebody, did you have a family member or a friend? How did you get, how did you discover Kiss? Uh, my brother, who was four years older than me, got me into Kiss. And my neighbors, my next door neighbors um, were big Kiss fans. And it just, it was like Star Wars and Kiss and nothing else. Yeah. And that's it. That's interesting you say that because we've had so many guests on that have said the same thing. Kiss and Star Wars. Those two are linked together because yeah. I think part of it is they were just such a phenomenon. Yeah. I, mean, I just think the whole mystique of both, you know, um, was just so appealing, especially to a kid my age and, you know, of any age really, but, uh, you know, at that age for me, it was like, you know, I always wanted to be in the Millennium Falcon and I always wanted to, you know, see Kiss. Yeah. Well, so did you collect a lot of stuff as you were growing up then too, or were you just more a music fan and you were just into the music and the image? Um, I didn't collect too much Kiss stuff at the time. I was collecting Star Wars stuff, but okay. um, I do remember somebody got a hold of, I guess I want to say maybe it was 77, and the 
the Kiss Garden show, somebody went and a friend of my neighbors had pictures. And I remember my neighbor bought um, a duplicate of the roll of pictures. And I thought that was amazing. I'm like, oh my God, these are real Kiss pictures. And like, to me, that was the first, you know, kind of real thing of Kiss that wasn't in a magazine or on TV. Was it, was it, was it the image or the music that first hooked you? Um, It was, it was both, you know, they go hand in hand, really, you know, I mean, I think I saw the image first and I was like, you know, I got to hear this. And then, you know, the music instantly hooked me. And just to know yeah. guys that look like this were playing that. I'm like, this is insane. Well, and the thing that, that stuck, struck with me that you just said is, is that you saw pictures for the first time that weren't in a magazine. And I can totally relate to that feeling. And that's the thing that I wish if we could share something with our audience, especially the younger listeners who weren't around in the 70s, is what it felt like to see stuff like that. Because now it's like, you can type in anything on Google and there's 100,000 pictures or this or that. You can find what you're looking for. But back in those days, you didn't know when they were coming to town unless there was an ad in the paper. You had to wait for the next issue of a magazine to come out, whether it's Billboard or Goldmine or Hit Parade or whatever it is to learn anything new at all. So that excitement, I think, is lost now. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, I mean, it's good and bad. You know, I mean, you're, you're getting all the information, but the bad is you're getting all the information. <laughs> right. Well, I, I always talk about back, back then, part of the big thrill was the hunt. Just hunting. I mean, I, I remember going to the local drugstore every week. You didn't know if anything, any magazine was going to have Kiss in it, but you went every week and flip through every potential magazine, whether it was a music magazine or a teen magazine in hopes of finding something. And that was quite the thrill when you found something. It was like, oh my God, there's a new photo I haven't seen in this issue and you had to buy it. So it was finding that stuff. Now, now there is no hunt. You don't have to hunt for anything. I mean, I even remember, you know, when when the seventies toys were out, like the 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 Mego action figures, you know, walking into an old Zares department store and they had a whole bunch of action figures on sale there. Nobody knew this. It was just like you stepped into a gold mine and you right. just found it. Look what they released. Who knew? Yeah, that that that's exactly it. Who knew? Because there was no network to learn from. There was, if, if any- maybe, maybe you'd see a commercial. Like I remember seeing the commercial for the Kiss Dolls. Right. You know, but, 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 but it wouldn't tell you when they were coming out. It wouldn't tell you if any of your local stores had it. It was just, there it is. And even more importantly, when, if you didn't see that commercial, might as well have not existed because it's not it's not like you knew when it was going to be on again i mean now everything is instantly the commercial is taped and somebody's putting it up on youtube two seconds after the commercial is done and everybody can watch it yeah 
Yeah, there, there, there's that whole part of being a fan, not just Kiss. It could be any artist or Star Wars or anything that, that's missing because there's no, there's no hunt anymore. Well, it's funny because the hunt starts with one thing. You go on the computer, you're like, oh, I'm going to start looking for this. And then all of a sudden, suggestions. Ooh, what's that? And then what? Oh, yeah, wait, I'll get back to that. And then all of a sudden, you're in some other rabbit hole that you forgot what you were looking for in the first place. Right, right, Ex exactly, exactly. And, and even today, you know, sure, you, some people might sit here and go, well, I hunt through eBay for auctions. Yeah, but that's not quite the same as walking into a garage sale and having no idea what's going on and you stumble across. I remember I went to a garage sale and found four packs of the Kiss Puffy stickers <laughs> for like 25 cents a piece. It was like, holy crap. Now you right. could just, you could go on eBay and type Kiss Puffy stickers and they'll pop up and they'll be a hundred dollars each. But if you want it, you, you want said it. That. I was just going to say, go to a garage sale and finding like a box of the Kiss cards unopened. It's like, oh, yep. oh my God. Like, yep. yeah. So, so I, I, think Ma I, think, I think Mark is here. Let me. Yes. I, I was just walking him through this. Okay. Let's see what, what, what appears here. He's going under the name Bob. There's Bob. Well, Bob's a cool name. You can say it the same way. So, so Mark, just, just, be, just, just before you vent, right. we are recording. Yeah. <laughs> you made it, brother. All warmed up. <laughs> we, we, yeah, you're all warmed up. The show's happening. You can just sit back and, and, and enjoy it. He's like, what are we talking about, boys? I'm <laughs> waiting all day. <laughs> all right so i missed what did i miss I, we were talking uh, about we were just talking about the hunt uh, you know the you know how even like today you could say you're hunting for stuff on ebay but that's not the same as as back in the day when you'd walk into a garage sale and stumble across something kiss related or anything related a, got, store, a story you know? or, or a store yeah store. A, an old old Yep. You know, the new so-and-so record's out. It's like, wow. You know, or there's a new T-shirt on the wall or a new, a new Kiss poster. You yep. Know? You go to a flea market or an antique shop. And, yeah, I mean, you just stumble. Oh, my God, there's a Kiss lunchbox, and they only want five bucks for it. You know, that's, that's the thrill. Because that thrill is completely gone now. You want that really? Kiss lunchbox, you can go buy it on eBay. You just pay for it. Done. But I, I do think it, it does exist to some degree because somebody, maybe it was Ryan Barks who posted this last week or one of the other listeners, that someone found an Alive 2 in perfect condition with the original stickers, booklet, and order form, and they bought it for $10 at a record store. So I still think it, it happens. It just doesn't happen as often as it used to. Oh, I think it, it definitely happens. I mean, especially when you're talking about going to a record store. I mean, I've, I've walked into used record stores and, you know, the first thing I do is hit, head over to the K's or the Kiss section if they actually have one, start flipping through it. And it's like, oh my God, there's a rock and roll over with the insert, the sticker and everything in there. And, you know, if it's not sealed up tight because the guy behind the counter realizes what it's worth and they've just got five bucks on it. I'm like, yes. 
-hmm. You know, you found something that they didn't realize that sticker alone is worth the five bucks. Right. So every once in a while, I think you can still get lucky if you look, if you're consistent and you keep looking. If, if you apply yourself, you can yes. still find <laughs> Exactly. Well, I think that also, too, you know, that's the other part of it, like I was saying earlier, PJ, that I would love to be able to share with the younger audience of how much of a thrill that was. And maybe it's still that way for people who are collecting things through auctions, you know. Um, the uh, Kiss Live auction site, um, who was it? Bill uh, Bjornholm had an auction last night and he had up a colored vinyl from Mexico of Unmasked. It was like a splatter vinyl. Yeah. And I think it ended up selling for like $525. And people were so into it because you just don't see that very often. So maybe that's still a thrill for some people that has replaced us going to, you know, biking to the store and finding the new, you know, hit parade or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I just had a thrill. Watch this. In my garage the other day, I'm like, what is this? Nice. Nice. Very Classic. Cool. Signed lithograph by Nice. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's fantastic. And like every once in a while you you have something like that happen and it's like it takes you back to being a kid again. It's fun to be Greatest excited about forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. So 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 PJ, did did KISS cause you to go, I wanna do that? Is were they the band that made you wanna become a musician? Yeah, I think um I think so. They definitely kept me interested in music to the point where I started branching out and following, looking for that excitement, you know, all right, well, if Kiss did this, who else is out there? And then, you know, other bands came along and it was like, next, you know, it was Iron Maiden and Iron Maiden had Eddie and the Who covers and, you know, I'm, you know, Aerosmith. I just kind of branched off from there. And then I was always kind of banging away on pots and pans and I got drums at an early age because of Peter Chris. And um, so yeah, but Kiss definitely made me um, interested in actually playing music. It would really be interesting to find out just how many musicians out there now are doing it because of Kiss. There's just so many that are like, you know, because of Peter Chris, I wanted to play drums. Because of Ace Fraley, I decided I wanted to become a guitar player. Whether you become successful and famous doesn't matter, but there is just a huge amount of musicians that were driven because they saw Kiss. Sorry about that. Well, and who are the new ones for the younger people to follow if they aren't necessarily Kiss fans? You know, um, who you know, who are the younger guitar players? It seems like there aren't the same number of musicians being hailed, highlighted, haloed as there. You, you. I was expecting another crop. You know, there was after um, Kiss's time, and then there was you know all of the stuff in your era, and then after that, then you had the grunge. I just, it seemed like it just kind of stopped after that. You know, I mean. 
who's left? I mean, Joe Bonamasso, you know, but he's one of the few. Same Tommy, I, I've got an easy answer for that. And, and I think uh, our guest would understand this well. When everybody's drop detuning, where's the tone difference? Seriously, where's the tone difference? Everybody sounds like uh, Dimebag Daryl. Chunk, 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 chunk. Okay, that's everybody now. It's, it's, there's so little guys that you could, and this is when we talked to Ace, what I said last week. When we talked to Ace, I said in the 70s, you, Jimmy Page, Ted Nugent, and, you know, Alex Lifeson, all these guys could have just hit an A chord. You would have went, that's Ace, that's Joe Perry, that's Ted Nugent. You know what doesn't happen today? Everybody's using Pro Tools. Everybody's drop D, you know, really a lot of hacks are, you know, lower tune because it's easier for the – I'll explain it. Guys, the lower – like the drop D, then your singer can hit the notes a little bit. You know, the – Again, I'm a drummer. I I, I just know the. It just the fattens it up. It fattens it up. It gives you that kind of lower, like kind of Alice and Chainsy. Correct, know. correct. But that sound now, years in the '70s, and you know Tony Iommi was pretty much the only guy tuning like that. Now, everybody, it's just put it this way: it's commonplace. It is. Plus, you don't have the mystique. What's that? Produ production has a lot to do with it. Um, well, correct. you're absolutely right. That's what I was saying. Everyone has pro tools. Everybody's using the same. There's nobody out there doing what Van Halen did and, you know, Frankensteining this stuff. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that nobody is, it probably is, but it's, okay. Who's, who's doing well on rock radio right now? I mean, sure. You'll, you can probably say all oh, the struts and maybe, one or two ever, but how many records are they really selling? Not many. So ironically, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the, the chart positions and the business side of, you know, the struts numbers, but clearly, I mean, when you talk about who is a big rock band, well, first, the struts is really one of the few rock bands that is bubbling and still bubbling, it has been bubbling and still bubbling, yeah. still hasn't really kind of peaked. Well, that, that's my point there's there's really no it, look we just have to accept that as rock fans is that we are on the decline we're not popular but when you look at it's not, it doesn't mean it's not good it just means it's not popular but when you look at some of the festivals that i i shoot um i would say that there are some that have still have massive followings uh five finger death punch would be one um, Incubus. Um, who else? Tommy, Tommy, when you put all those people going to a festival, the festival is the draw, not necessarily Incubus. And I get that. I get that. But here's a, here's a great example, okay? So last year, Five Figure Death Punch, I think it was, was one of the headliners. The place was absolutely packed. They went on at like 11 o'clock at night. The year before, on the same night, which was a Friday night, the headliner was Slayer, and the place cleared out. Like, Interesting. It was packed for it was packed for the band right before Slayer, and I, I got I'll look it up and figure out which one it is. And literally, Slayer comes on, and everyone's like, 
gone. I think Slayer is very polarizing. Could be, but my point is, is that there was an awful lot of people that were singing along with most of the songs in some of these larger bands and knew all, all right. the material. I would so really like to know what, who the headliner, obviously, so Slayer was last on the bill, correct? Yeah, I'll find out while you guys yeah, are sharing. Find out you know, I'll tell you, I, my, my theory behind that is that Slayer, although they have generations of followers, I'll tell you right now, if Slayer's going on at 11 o'clock at night, Slayer fans are aging. Yes. Yeah, and they're not sticking around. They're not so much about getting in a mosh pit at 11 o'clock at night anymore. Sorry to say right. it, and it doesn't sound very rock and roll, but that's a fact. And when you talk about Five Finger, you're talking about a much younger audience, and exactly. 11 o'clock is go time. Yep, exactly. I, I, I agree with that. But also, though, too, it gets to my, my point, though. You look at the top 20 through the 80s and – a good chunk of the 90s, you're going to see a lot of rock bands in there from Nirvana and Pearl Jam on down. You go to the, I, I couldn't even tell you, is there even a rock band in the top 10 for anything? I mean, it depends on what you're calling rock, really. Well, that's my point. I'm just talking traditional, you know, um, Guns N' Roses sort of music. I mean, guitar, bass, and drums. Guitar rock, guitar-driven rock. Yeah. I mean, and guys, that doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means it's not popular anymore. And I don't. Right. And I never. Again, this goes back to I never gave a fuck about what anybody said about any band I liked ever. And I don't care now. My point is though, is I am also smart enough to realize some things are popular, and some things are not. I also think there's some bands like the Super Suckers who just never got big, but they just they still continue to tour. I mean. Let's take 2020 out of it. But they still continue to tour. Also, those bands like Tom was just saying, Incubus, and the bands, they still continue to tour. They're not selling platinum freaking records every year. Not even. Not even well, close. A band like Incubus is, is what I call grandfathered in. They have enough of a catalog to where they okay. sold enough records to where they don't, Incubus never has to make another record. You know, right. And they'll Here's, do well. Here's that lineup. So Slayer was the headliner. Right before that was Volbeat. Before that was there you Lamb, go. Yeah, there you Lamb go. of Lamb of God and Anthrax. Yeah, there and you go. They were all packed. Yeah, old, new, new, old. Right? Volbeat and Five Finger are the two kind of biggest in the active rock kind of genre. And you know, Volbeat should have headlined, but because Slayer is Slayer, and Volbeat probably goes, I'm not going on after Slayer. Right. Smart. And, and, and Volbeat still gets radio airplay. I mean, they are. They're one of the newer yeah. bands. Yeah. I actually saw them on a, on a Megadeth festival, and they were one of the first bands on, and I liked them straight out. My son likes them a lot. And but, I'm not arguing that, they're on the, that it's on the decline. All I'm saying is, is there are still younger acts like Volbeat that are bringing – fans to those festivals so yeah it is the festival but they're there lots of times to see specific artists trivia would be I, I don't i don't disagree with you but if if volbeat could play to thirty thousand on their own they would they go fuck that festival right same thing with with incubus and all these others that's that's and again that doesn't mean it's not good or it just means it's not popular yeah, but very few can play to 30,000 or more. Well, you know, well, I mean. You're right. But, but years ago, 
it's funny because there's a little joke that Michael and I have, you know, Tay, we threw the little Cobo Hall thing out and we were talking about numbers. But, you know, everybody from Fog Hat to, to, to Black Oak, Arkansas was playing fucking Cobo Hall here in Detroit, meaning, you know, they were playing a place that, you know, held 12,000 people. Kiss was the same way in 75. They weren't, you know, they weren't record setters by then. But in May of 75, Kiss played Cobo Hall and sold the fucking thing out. They didn't have a platinum record out yet. That's what I'm just, that's kind of what I'm saying. Everybody from, you know, from Foghat on down was doing that in areas like Detroit and Cleveland, Chicago and stuff. They were rock and roll towns. People, that's what you did. You didn't have all these entertainment options. Fast forward 40 years and those, those sorts of bands are lucky if they get you know, a hundred people at their fucking show. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's just different. now. Well, you know, the, the, the big, the big thing about festivals, especially in the U S for rock bands is none of those bands on that festival, Tommy, were on the hook for being responsible to sell out that festival. Right. I mean, it, it wasn't Slayer's show and that Slayer had to sell all the tickets. No, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, re- referred to as a soft ticket show i mean it's, right, yeah. it's like it's like going to the county fair and while you're at the county fair you get to see fog at or brett michaels play right, you know right. you, you're you wouldn't pay just to go see the artist but you will pay if it's a weekend festival of all of these bands that way you're like i don't care if half of them i don't like Right. Still, my money's worth out of it, and the and none of the artists have to sit here and go, "Oh crap, the promoter's going to be pissed." The place was only half full. You know, the door was weak. Alcohol sales were weak. Whatever. When it's your own show, those are all the sorts of things that a band has to contend with, and they don't want to. Right. So it's it's part of the just the changing climate of the music business and the touring business especially in the u.s i mean europe's a whole different animal over there but in the u.s it's tough for a rock band to tour the u.s really tough it is because there's i mean it's hard to get anybody out to anything anymore with all the distractions and um you know any options, I should say. If, if you uh, took COVID out of the picture, just take that completely out of the picture. I'd love to. Yes. No, no, no. And my point is this, though. You're absolutely right, PJ. Absolutely. When I was a kid and when you were a kid, we didn't have Hollywood movies available, pretty much the entire Hollywood catalog on our TV at the click of a fucking button. Right. You know what I mean? You, you didn't have... You didn't have you didn't have the arcade coming into your TV, and fuck, you don't even have to put quarters in. It <laughs> just and not for it, nothing, it, the motivation not only just about going to see something that you actually want to see. There's it could be a band coming to town, you get, and somebody would be like, you know, what? I really want to see that band, but uh, you know, I don't know, driving, parking, drinking, you know, I could just stay home and. Zoom away or YouTube or well, PJ, there's, there's, there's no YouTube has taken away all mystique. And even the guys, people who want to go out would go out and go to meet people too. Like, let's go to the show and meet some chicks or whatever, and blah blah blah. But meanwhile, a guy can literally be taking a crap and meet a girl 
and have her come knocking on his door by the time he flushes the toilet. Right. And he's never even met. Is his name Izzy? I was going to say, <laughs> if that was true, Izzy would be in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're, you're right, and that's sad. But I still don't, you know, at least from my perspective, I still love the live shows, and nothing will replace that. And you can watch anything you want on TV anytime you want because you have on demand. So there's literally no reason to stay home because you can tape anything you want. And I, it... Yeah, parking can be a pain, but it doesn't have to be. It's just about being organized, you know, getting down there a little earlier and things like that. And I just don't understand why that is just such but, a hardship for everybody. Well, but, you know, I mean, I, I, can, <laughs> I, I can tell you in all honesty, I've, I've gone through that where I'm like, oh, God, I, I, I want to see the band, but it's a 45-minute drive each way to the venue. They're not going on until 9.30 at night. I'm not getting out of there until 11. Crap, I don't want, you know. And, and I've skipped shows because of that. It's just, I think as you get older, more people realize your time is worth something to you. When you were a kid, you never thought about your time. You never thought, oh, I got to drive three hours to see the band. I'm 18. Damn straight. I'm doing that. And I'll be at work tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. You know, didn't phase you as you get older. It does. You sit there and go, well, is that really worth it? Do I want to spend $20 to park? Do I want to spend $10 for a beer? You know, everything plays into it. Cause like you said, Mark, back in the day, not to sound like grandpa, but we didn't have distractions. It's sort of like, you know, when that new album came out, that was an activity. You and all your buddies sat down in somebody's basement and listened to a brand new album by Iron Maiden or Kiss. I still think the mystique issue is a big part of it because Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, and I'm, you know, I'm going way back to when Arena Rock was kind of born. And those are the bands that helped bring it, you know, into fashion. You know, the stories that the publicists wrote, you know, the whole black magic angle and the, you know what I mean? The, the, the yep. they'd film them and, or, you know, take pictures of them in certain ways and, you know, make plant look like a golden God and, you know, all this sort of thing. You know, it's, it's a different world now. You know what I mean? It is. So when 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 the kids when the kids back then were reading that they had a reason to go see if all the hype was was truly, you know what I mean was there. They're like, oh my god, I read about this in Circus. I read about this in Cream. Oh my god, you know, because you didn't have YouTube. The only place you could go see that was was the anticipation. Well, now even somebody like uh, Marilyn Manson or any, well, I, I'd give you a great example. What Tommy and I did when the end of the road tour started, neither one of us would watch any videos for That's a reason. Because you want to be surprised. You don't want you don't want the unveiling before you go to the show that you're going to go put the effort in to go see physically. Why ruin the it? Last kiss surprise. Right. You know, because what did we want, Tommy? We wanted that same childlike experience that we had that really blew us away. You know, I remember seeing the, the dynasty costumes for the first time live and, 
when they came out from under the stage. I didn't have like two months worth of YouTube videos to watch to see how they rose up out of the stage. You know what I mean? That hit me brand new and I'll never forget that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. and that's what I wanted. Again, same thing with uh, seeing Ozzy on the diary tour when the, you know, when the castle and everything, you know, that was all brand. I mean, I could name a million shows like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's the whole point. How many great things we saw that weren't, weren't ruined by, um, you know, having YouTube. Okay. So I got to interrupt for a second. So PJ, this is my friend, Kyle. What's up, man? Hi, Kyle. What's Check up? this out. There's me and you in 91 when you opened for the Scorpions <laughs> backstage at the Met Center. That is fantastic. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I look... I look exactly the same. You look really different now. <laughs> it's your hats. <laughs> That's pretty funny. We both look exactly the same. That's awesome. That's very funny because I was leaving out. Like, I think that's the dude that I got a picture with. Yeah. <laughs> is that your screensaver? Yeah, that's his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, he's actually obsessed. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. Good stuff. All right, All right. I'll get into it. Okay. So, so, so PJ, as, as you were, so prior to Trickster, what did you do band-wise prior to Trickster? Well, I, um, believe it or not, I was in a couple of bands, even though I got into Trickster when I was like 15. Um, I was in two other bands and the band just before Trickster, I was in a band, I was, 14 years old and I was everyone else in the band was like 22, 23. And, you know, we were just playing the same all ages clubs with Trickster and all of the Jersey bands. And that's how I, I became friendly with um, Trickster. We just playing on the same bills and everything. And, you know, we'd see each other every week. Now, when, when you, let's just focus on Trickster here. Um, as that band was developing and you're getting the deal and everything, were you trying to do stuff to recreate the excitement you had as a kid when you were discovering Kiss and Iron Maiden the first time, or was it such an overwhelming roller coaster ride that you guys were just like being told and pushed to do certain things by the label? Um, no, we were pretty. When we first came out, we had our pretty clear vision of what we wanted to be and how we wanted to handle ourselves and present ourselves. And the label, aside the, I mean, the aside from the label trying to downplay Pete and Gus's age, <laughs> um, they didn't really have much to say in pulling us in any particular direction. Um, I think we had our own, again, vision. And I think they knew that we weren't going to come out. Like we came out wearing flannel shirts and just jeans and whatnot and riding dirt bikes. And that's what we wanted to do. That's what we felt most comfortable doing. Although we grew up with Kiss and Van Halen and these bands and these big rock shows and everything, we knew we didn't choose that path. We didn't try to recreate that. Um, probably because we never could, so why even bother? Right. But 
to our credit, we kind of found our thing in in a time where everything was big and you know glamorous. We kind of just decided to be ourselves and pre sure. present ourselves in a more comfortable, natural uh, way. And I think that kind of translated to people and people connected with it big time. Like, well, yeah, people find you, know, you find your audience. Yeah. You know. Even though the music was pop rock, the look wasn't. So I think that's what kind of um, gave us the legs that we had, even though they were kind of kneecapped after a little while. But had we looked like every other band that was coming out at that time with our sound, I don't think I don't think it would have worked. Not at all. Well, so a couple questions I, I, I wanna pursue here is were were you having issues dealing with people looking at it and going, Oh, it's just a kid, it's a bunch of kids. You can't take it seriously, it's just kids. It wasn't so much a problem. It was something that we heard, but we always said, yeah, come fucking watch us, watch our live show. Then talk to us. You know, I mean, we were out there every night, pretty much killing it. Yeah. And you got to believe what you're doing. Yeah. And, and, but, and selling it convincingly, you know, so when people would see us live, they go, all right, okay. It's not what I thought. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, and, and too, it's like, what 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 year was the first record released? Ninety. Okay, yeah, and you were like right on the edge of everything turning too. So it was probably really smart to roll that way because, like you said, how do you recreate what was going on with Motley Crue or some of the larger, you know, early '80s bands, Van Halen? I mean, you know, how do you follow that? Right. You know, you got to do something different. Create your own own thing. Yeah. And it's partly from where we come from in Jersey, you know, it's, we're pretty uh, downplayed, so to speak. You know, even when glam was everywhere, Jersey had it, but it still wasn't as, it wasn't LA ever, you know. Um, I think even places like Florida were even more so glammed out than New Jersey. Rocks Gang from Tampa, remember them? Sure. Tough. They were all down. Yeah. Tough, tough luck. That was it. But um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, uh, where we come from helped a lot too. Do you think you were able to define yourself more the way you guys did because of where you were? Do you think if you would have been like, say, in LA, you would have just been sucked into this vacuum? I think so. Probably. I think we would have been. I mean, I think if we had been, say, an L.A. band, yeah, I think we probably would have wound up a little bit different. So definitely coming out of New Jersey helped separate us from the herd, I think. So, yeah, but it also helped you, I think, because of, like, the whole area. There was a lot of success in that area. You know, Bon Jovi was coming off the heels of Skid Row, you know, it was... Absolutely right. Bon Jovi, Skid Row, you know, Trickster, you know, very active on MTV at one point, altogether. You know, um, Danger Danger is still kind of Jersey, New York, but, um, you know, it was definitely, especially Skid Row coming from New Jersey, they 
had more of a Guns N' Roses Temple look when that first record came out. PJ, do you think the time that the album was released made things a little bit more challenging that if it had come out three or four years earlier at the tail end of the 80s, yeah. the music and everything would have been more accepted. But now because you're coming out in the time frame when anything from the 80s was, you know, ah, stay away from it. I mean, you know, you've got warrants and slaughter trying to become more grunge. Did that become a big challenge with you guys? Uh, let me see if I'm getting where you're going with this. You mean wh when we put our first record out? Yeah, yeah. You know, because you you kind of came at the very tail end of kind of the '80s hard rock where it was accepted. The gap yeah, you kind of bridged the gap. And do you feel like if you would have just been able to get it out just a few years earlier? there could have been even more success because now all of a sudden you're like in this grunge era where, Oh my God, are these guys just trying to look like they're wearing flannels and jeans? Is it real? Is it not real? Boy, the music doesn't sound like Alice in Chains. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of confusion going on. And again, as, as Mark loves to say, timelines, everything. So if you lived through that as a fan, you would realize, yeah, it was a challenge for so many bands, including Kiss. I mean, look at what happened with Kiss from the Hot in the Shade tour to the Revenge tour. It was the peak of success to empty venues. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I, I got to imagine for you guys, you were like, Wow, this is this is this is going to be tough because we're coming into an era where commercial sounding music is not in favor. Yeah, well, definitely on our second record, we, you know, our first record, we still thought everything was grand and going to be hunky dory for at least a couple of years, you know, and we got a little less than that. Yeah, you know, it was a fast. It, it changed really quick. Once we got on that KISS tour, our second record here came out and we went to radio and it wasn't good. The ads weren't coming in like we were expecting and the stations were changing their formats to the day that we were going for ads. You, you guys would have been much better received if you were supporting KISS on the Hot in the Shade tour. Definitely. Um, well, I don't know if better received as opposed to... Well, you're, you're right, because the KISS fans were receiving you on either tour, but the Hot in the Shade tour was, was, more was, was more fans, more everything. Everything about it in the music was still fine and acceptable. Again, it was good still, yeah. Yeah, by the time 92 rolls around, you know... I, I, I've said this on the show. I remember going to the uh, the Revenge tour in Chicago at the UIC Pavilion, and it was like, okay, the whole upper deck was curtained off, and there was probably not even a sold out main floor. And I'm like, I don't have any problem with any of the bands on the bill. I think it was Kiss, 
you guys in Great White, I'm pretty sure was or Faster Pussycat maybe. I think it might have been Great White in Chicago. Yeah, you know, I think I think it was. And yeah, I'm like, all three bands I love, but boy, in this music climate right now, Kiss would have been smarter to take Pantera out opening for them instead of Great White and Trickster because maybe that could have brought some of the we certainly didn't metal help crowd. <laughs> we well, certainly I didn't help on that tour. I don't think anybody was helping anybody on that tour. I got news. For, I got news for you. Kiss was in the same boat as us, sorry to say, for, for, for that little window of time. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't going to benefit no matter who was opening for them. It just wasn't, it just wasn't a, a good time for any of the bands on the bill. It just wasn't. I mean, the piece whether, I whether we were, whether it was Alice in Chains opening for Kiss or, or us, it wouldn't have made a shit of difference because Kiss was the headliner. People who wanted to see Alice in Chains go, eh, I'm not going to go see them open for Kiss. I'll wait for them to, to, to for them to play the club when they come through. Well, yeah. and the thing that's confusing to me that I still don't really understand is that, like, and this isn't taking away from any of the bands, but how Guns N' Roses, for instance, that one song, Sweet Child of Mine, pushed them over the top, and they almost became the defined band of that era. And then you fast forward four or five years and the same thing happens with Nirvana. And it's, it's almost like the labels just pushed everybody else out of the way that wasn't like either one of those bands. And this is just from my perspective as a fan buying music. And I just, I've never understood how one band can just explode to the point where they define everything. It's one thing if you're the Rolling Stones and you've been around for 50 freaking years, but it just seemed like that, also, the the short sightedness of the labels added to the problems as well. It's, it the, it's, it's the business. Like, oh, this is selling. Get me more bands like this. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Simple, simple business, really. Yeah, I just. Well, part of the problem too is that now it's one voice dictating what every city is going to have, whereas there used to be regional flavors there's regional flavors are now and i'm not talking about local gigs i'm talking about radio there is no regional flavors whoever clear channel wants to put on or if they want to whoever they want to promote a certain band they're going to be in boston as well as they're going to be in los angeles and louisiana they, they don't give a fuck there's nobody pushing bands in the new york area from new york do you guys remember when your local rock stations used to play local rock bands, even if it was on a Sunday night at you know, midnight or whatever. They don't yeah. even do that anymore. And I tell you what, you know, we were on a few of the shows here in Detroit, and that certainly helped our draws. That certainly helped, you know, get the word out. It, it, now they, they won't even donate that, you know, hour on a Sunday night at midnight for local music anymore. It's just a fucking joke. There's just, there's just no... For rock it's music, it's all business. Yes. Well, you know, I mean, Mark, there's there's nobody in the radio station actually that hour on a Sunday night. It's all it's all being remotely fed to them by somebody in Dallas or New York or wherever. Yeah, it's true. I feel sorry for young kids who. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's still possible. I'm certainly not, but it's. I think it's in some ways it's a lot easier 
Um, I mean, we just bypassed, <laughs> just put a, got a record, you know, out too. But I mean, so you can put your, your, your record out, but you're not going to get any support from a big conglomerate or, you know, no. But, but you know, you know, P, PJ, that 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 that's the, sort of the big trade-off. I mean, especially back in the '80s and '90s, record labels were still spending money to support bands. Meaning, they would pro. I'm assuming you're on the Kiss tour. The label is giving you some tour support money. That's the only reason you could afford to go out on that tour. Is the label is is putting up some money for it? Because mm -hmm. um, we had who was it? Brent from Faster Pussycat who talked about he remembers the day they were on tour on the Hot in the Shade tour and the label said nope we're done with your album and the next day they had to return their tour bus I mean it was just like that overnight yep. that, no that was that, hap that happened on uh, was that the Revenge tour? that was Revenge tour and they found out like three weeks into the Kiss tour and so instead of doing the whole tour, that's why Great White picked up, they ended in Miami. And uh, so they only wound up doing the East Coast. So, you know, as, as somebody who's been there and is still out there as a musician, do you wish for the times where you could have a big label dump money in to support you now knowing how much that means you're going to have to pay back and that you may never see a dime from the label. I mean, what's, how do you view that? I mean, as Mark said, you can sure release your own music, but you're not going to have any of the money to really go out there and right. battle it in the promotion world. The answer is yes. I'd prefer to have a big machine behind me, you know, supporting me, a support system. Um, and because we didn't make any money from selling records to begin with, but we we made merch money. That was good. Yeah, it was really good. And we made live performance money, which is really good too. So I mean, you know, fine, take the record sales, and there's incentive for you to promote the record because you get your money back and you make money. And in the interim, we get the residual because we're out there touring, trying to sell a record that we're both invested with. So that you make money and we make money, only you're going to make it from the record that we're selling by going out there on the road and selling T-shirts and tickets. Right. Done. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Right. And you're so, going to pay me. You're going to pay for us to go out and be able to tour arenas. And you're going to support that so that we can play to more people to sell more records to make you money too. I'm in. It was a great business model while it lasted gone forever i mean there's no way that's coming back ever and certainly not in our lifetimes and i don't see ever coming back unfortunately i mean for yeah, the mass you know I, I don't know man as long as people can get their music for free the system is so broke because you never know because it's so watered down and it's so open and people are just so discovering things on their own which is great but there's also kind of a lack of focus and that's why music isn't you know doing the business that it once did Maybe so you never know it could be 20 years from now some big corporation might go you know what this business model worked 
back in the 70s or whatever, 80s, we're going to go and we're going to see if this works. We're going to take a band and we're going to put a big machine behind them, put them on tour. We're going to put them and let them open for whoever the big band is and use the old model just to see what happens. Maybe it does. Hey, guys, I got to bounce. I got to bounce. I got to finish this deal. So okay. great. All right. DJ. Take care, Tommy. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it would be nice to see something like that come back because you, you ultimately do – what you need is a change in mindset, I think, in – the bigger labels smaller indie labels i think have the right mindset but the bigger ones are not so much interested in long-term artist development they're right. just look they're just looking for i got to cash out this quarter that's it and and you know you sit back and you look at the bands we grew up loving kiss van halen iron maiden all those bands if they had to if they had to succeed on their first album in the first three months they would have been long gone because right. none of them would have succeeded. There you go. Nobody is developing any of these artists to help them find their way. That's why there's so much, you know, out there that no one's discovering. I mean, like you said, if some of those bands that we grew up on had only one record to do it, you know, maybe we would never have seen Kiss. And, and not, not even one record one single off of one record right you know if the very first kiss single didn't hit or if if the band was uh supposed to come into a record label and go hey we're, we want you to sign us we've already sold fifty thousand units out of our <laughs> trunk sign me up you know that's what they want the story they want the work done for them already yeah Yep. One of the amazing things, and one of our past guests is 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 a is a is a good example of it. Look, there's been more than a few bands who had Aerosmith with Dream On, Sticks with Lady, um, Aerosmith with Walk This Way, and 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 Dream On, but bands who when the record came out, it wasn't a hit. And then like a year or two later, they re-released the single because they were, you know, a good touring act. And all of a sudden people went, hey, I saw that band open for this band. And now they're on the radio without knowing that that song was released two records ago. Right. And, you know, it was kind of funny. I, I like Tom Petty quite a bit too. And if you know anything about his first record, it died here in the States, but it got picked up and English radio was playing it. And when the second record came out, then America discovered it. But they had a hell of a time because the record had been out for a year already. Now they're touring on You're Gonna Get It. And they're like, hey, what's those songs? That's not on this record. You know what I mean? Because I think they were playing uh, Breakdown now on the radio at the time. But that wasn't on the second record. I think I think that was again. I'm going off the top of my head. But that was the problem they had. They'd already been touring the states to just you know opening up for literally nobody, and um, uh, you know then all of a sudden the the first record hit as they're putting the second one out, and people are going. They couldn't find the first record in the shops because it didn't sell, but now radios picked it up, 
now they're selling the second radio, the second record, and the songs that people are asking for isn't on that. I mean, that that's how crazy things were in the in the seventies. You know, they, they didn't quite have it worked out. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, look, our fa our favorite band, Kiss. You know, rock and roll all night didn't first appear on Kiss Alive. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, it it, it broke on Kiss Alive. And if you were a diehard fan, you go, oh, yeah, I know that song. But the general public, you know, Rock and Roll All Night comes off of Kiss Alive. No, it doesn't. You know, you know, and even another one of our favorite bands, Cheap Trick. I mean, look, Budokan. I mean, dr the Dream Police album was done, recorded, right. ready to release in the U.S. Budokan was done for Japanese release only. It gets picked up on radio here becomes a massive hit and now all of a sudden cheap trick has got this great album and believe me dream police is a phenomenal album that they kind of sit on for how long because right. now budokan is being brought back to the u.s and released as a double live album it's a single live but well single live, yeah Some, someone's gonna scream <laughs> do, do, double if you count both back front and back that's two right um and then, he, and then someone's gonna go but yeah but then they eventually released it as one night at that point shut up okay. shut up we're, we're not <laughs> getting into that level of geekdom here um pj let's let's talk a little bit about you as a kiss fan touring with kiss was that like cool as hell of course it was you know i mean that was the thing. When we got the word that we were going to tour with Kiss, I remember St uh, Steve and I were in LA and we were um, mixing our second record here. And they said, we got the tour. I mean, we were high-fiving and going crazy. And it was, it was very stressful because we had to get the record mixed and turned in on schedule. Otherwise, the tour was going away. So... It was a lot of blended days and nights finishing now, that. Now, now, before the tour, had you met any of the guys in KISS? Yes. We met, um, met them all a couple of times. Was it just casual? Was it business-related? It was, it was all casual, but, like, Gene was well aware of us, so every time we'd saw him, he'd be like, oh, Trista guys. You know, he was always had his eye on us, you know, because, you know, we were – we were making waves. So, uh, you know, of course, Gene, he's always got his eye on the ball. Yep. Um, you know, Paul was, hey, <laughs> all, all I ever got out of him. Um, but uh, so getting on tour with them, I remember walking into the first show and just seeing all the Kiss road cases going, this is crazy. This is, you know, we toured, we, we toured with Poison and Scorpions and, all these bands before that, but, you know, growing up, going, one day I want to tour with Kiss, you know, and doing it was, even though it wasn't the most, you know, successful tour in our eyes, it, was, it wasn't the most successful tour, and our record and basically career was on a fast track to nowhere, we were still having the time of our lives. So it was, it was a good place to be going downhill. Were, were you... Were you uh, on the side of the stage every night watching Kiss. Oh, yeah. I would be. I I was on the side of the stage singing backgrounds with Derek Sherinian. Oh, cool! Keyboards. 
<laughs> There's a little bit of trivia that minutia that KISS fans don't know. You yeah. sang background vocals on some of the live shows. Every night, every night, me and Steve probably would, we always go back there and just go fuck with Sherinian or, you know, or just jump in on Love Gun or God Gave Rock and Roll to You or anything as much as we could. Do you have uh, any stories of talking with Gene or Paul or Bruce or Eric on the tour? Um, yeah, I mean, Gene would come out with us on like nights off and like we were, all right, Gene, we're going out, we're going to the bar. You know, he, him and Eric would always come out with us. Eric was the fifth unofficial member of Trickster because he was in our dressing room every day, all the time. And Gene always used to say, you know, Eric should be your drummer and I want 20%. <laughs> every day he would say that because he looked like us. He was the same height as us. You know? And uh, so, and then, you know, he was, he was the social one. You know, obviously Paul, I kid you not, he, he never said more than, hey, to us. You know, he was, it was a nice hey, but he wasn't exactly offering any conversation. And I don't think, you know, he wasn't really, he wasn't being a dick or anything. It's just, you know, Paul, it's just who he is, really. I mean, unless it, really it, 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 it is who he is. And, and, you know, we also had a, a guest on in the past, Benny Doro, um, who used to be uh, in the Black Diamond Kiss tribute band. And Paul managed Benny for a while. And Benny went out on the road for a bunch of the Kiss shows on the Revenge Tour. And he just, I remember Benny telling us just like how stressed, depressed, concerned, worried the guys in KISS were. You know, it was yeah. just, it was like, God, we played this venue just a couple years ago on the Hot in the Shade tour and it was sold out and now there's 2,000 people here and yeah. this is not, you and know. They took, so, a pay cut. they took a pay cut. They took, they slashed their guarantee in half just so they would finish the tour and go out with some dignity. Instead yeah. of canceling the tour, they were just like, you know, either wrap it up or take a, a hit and kiss took a financial hit just to finish the tour. Yeah. I mean, well, I know, they, 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 re, they replicated what they did after dynasty. Whereas the I creatures. Mean, well, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, where'd they go for creatures? They went to South America. Where did kiss go? Well, you know, and, we, you know. PJ, we did, we did a show where we looked at a couple, um, concert contracts for kiss one from the love gun tour and one from the creatures of the night tour and on the love gun tour they were getting a guarantee of forty thousand dollars a night on the creatures of the night tour they were getting a guarantee of ten thousand a night i i i could be wrong it could be fuzzy on this but i think they got cut down to like 50 grand a night on the revenge tour i mean so so you yeah, know, took a fifty grand pay cut, but I think they were only getting fifty grand. I, I I would imagine there was a lot of just worry and stress, especially on Gene and Paul's part of like, okay, what are we doing to keep the band alive? I mean, and and as we know, looking back historically, that led. I mean, Carnival of Souls is nothing to discuss, but it led to the convention tour, which was a great success, and it kept yeah. them alive until the reunion tour. Right. But it's 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 really interesting how the the revenge tour was a f 
phenomenal tour. I mean, yeah. the stage, the production was incredible. The album itself is amazing. And their look, they were comfortable. I was going to just say skin. that. Yeah, as, as KISS fans, we would all sit here and go, wow, after the tragedy of the 80s era looks, they finally okay, yeah. looked great and gelled together on the Revenge Tour. They looked like they sounded again. Yes, exactly. They, and, and they looked like a band should look right you know that that asylum look hey it was glitter and and glamorous Tough. but it was not at the end of the day that's not what a rock star should be looking like it had its moment but yeah you know when revenge when revenge came back and you know gene had a goatee on and it was leather pants and boots you were just like this is all right you're on the mark and then when the whole the whole music industry got pulled out from underneath them as a fan i was just like oh man i would have loved to have had like 10 years of revenge that right. would have been so great yeah so so touring with kiss i mean did you ever sit down with gene and go all right gene i gotta ask you this question as a kiss fan what you know did you get those moments with him where you were able to pick his brain as a kiss fan or did you try and separate that fandom from i'm out here on business um no i mean i think when we did talk it was really just kind of on the surface just funny and telling jokes and you know um i think if i ever really wanted to ask him something I would have because he was totally cool like and again he would just walk in our dressing room and look for cookies or something or you know if he had a son with him let him run around the dressing room or something uh, um, but yeah no I never really kind of picked his brain about like hey so you know when you know when you your hair caught on fire you know burn your scalp or anything you know I, I didn't really get into and i was just so happy to be in his presence and be talking right. to him anyway shape or form that you know and he talks and is always holding court to begin with right so usually you're doing a lot of listening to begin with with gene so i mean there wasn't much you know i didn't really need more because he was always he was always so talkative to begin with or showing me how to balance a the brim of a baseball hat on his nose or something or you know, telling people that I was his son, you know, just goofing around and being a normal guy. Do you get to watch them sound check? Oh yeah. I watched them sound check and do all the stuff for Alive Three. Do the stuff I think they did I was made for loving you. They did at the palace during sound check, but I don't think they ever did that during the show. Mark, do you recall? Right? They never played that on the Revenge which, which Tour. I was made for loving you. But they recorded it at Soundcheck at the Palace. And uh, I was gonna say I I we they did it it's didn't they do this didn't they do it live in South America though? On Revenge? Yeah, that would have been part of that tour, I think. Oh no, that because that whole melds in, that's what I was getting at about 10 minutes ago when I was saying how they kind of repeated the same thing. Cause once they couldn't sell in America anymore, they went played South America, played festivals right. and 
90. Yeah, I, uh, I would watch some sound check every day. And, uh, you know, did they, did they sound check any, any kiss tunes where you're like, Oh my God, they're actually playing that. Not How really. Cool that? Except for, I remember them doing, I, I just took a seat up in the stands one day and they went into, I was made for loving you. Maybe it was market square arena. They did that at sound check. Um, I was like, Oh wow. They haven't played this. I, I, I thought they were going to play it that night, but they never did. So Tommy's not here with the bell. Did you open in Detroit? Yeah. Oh, I, I was I was backstage, so we didn't see any of the openers. Ding, ding. <laughs> you probably saw us walking by you. Yes. Who was on Who was on the bill? Was it you um, guys? Straight White, maybe? It was I don't know why I was. I think it was Faster Pussycat. Although I think I – I don't I think so. Saw, I think that we, we went out west. No, because Faster Pussycat finished in Miami. So was it Great White? You guys probably was, it was probably Great White because when when they played in in Chicago, which had to have been right around a Detroit show within a day, I would imagine, it, yeah. was, it was Great White in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. You were talking about – and this is a slightly off – well, it's not it – it is off topic in a way, but what you were saying earlier, Mike, I had some kind of weird – when you're saying, you know, now that you get older, you know, you, you don't want to deal with parking and driving and blah, blah, blah. I actually had that. My son was born in 92. So that was when I stopped going for like that five years from the time he was born to like 95, 96. I really cut back. Well, it was really up until the start of the Kiss reunion tour. Then, then I was well, there, yeah. There wasn't like, a lot. There wasn't a lot to see from Kiss between '92 and '96. Yeah. No, no, no. But I, I remember like missing. I'm a huge Slash fan, and I remember he played the Ritz, which was literally five minute drive from my house. But I didn't want to leave my wife home with the newborn. You know what I mean? I kind of went, oh, you know, I did the good dad thing, and you know, so I missed. I. At that time period, I, I missed some shows that I really, really regret missing, but I don't regret why I missed them. I did the right thing. You right. know, I stayed home with my wife. Sure but, yeah, but, uh, you know, but then after that, you know, that was, you know, again, take away COVID shit last year. You know, I went to Toronto to see Iron Maiden. I went, see, I went all all over to see kiss you know if i like a band you know matter of fact before covid ozzy was supposed to play in tampa in april which was going to be a makeup gig i planned on going to that i'd seen three kiss shows already and you know by the time covid took over you know i mean just going to shows and everything is such a big part of my life and as i get older you know it's just as important, but the only time I did the, oh boy, I really shouldn't go is when my kids were real little. And again, I just didn't want to leave my wife home. Just wouldn't have been fair. That's all, you know? So. It's family, but, uh, man. Family's the important thing. Life gets in the way. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, everything worked out great. So. <laughs> PJ, as, as, as a longtime Kiss fan, uh, what do you think of uh, Tommy and Eric in the makeup? your opinion uh, on that i mean someone's got to do it you know i mean 
if not them, then who? I mean, if it's not going to be. It would be somebody. It would be somebody. It would be somebody. Yeah. I mean, you can't. I don't agree with, you know, the bashing of those guys um, with them in it because, for one, it's not their call. You know, it's not like Tommy Thayer said, well, I'll only be in Kiss if I get to wear Ace Freely makeup. You know, he didn't right. say that. They said, we need someone to play the role of Ace Freely. Who's going to? Tommy Thayer, obvious choice. There's, there's no point in um, giving any backlash whatsoever to Tommy for doing that um, or Eric. Amen. Who's been and, before that, you know? And also true. Think about when you were touring with them, you know, Hot in the Shade, it was Eric Carr. And then Revenge was Eric Singer. And, you know, Bruce Kulick was there for, it was Kiss. That's the one thing I keep screaming at, at people. Like, it's Kiss. It's no different than if you're a Stones fan. You know, you get Mick Taylor, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and you get Ronnie Wood and then you got Brian Jones. And then, you know, then, uh, you know, after uh, Bill leaves playing bass, who fucking cares? It's the Stones. I don't, I don't care. I just just want to rock. Right. You know? People argue, well, we, couldn't you should just put Bruce in Ace's makeup? But I don't agree with that either, because the Bruce era is a different era of, of Kiss. It's a different it's just different, and it it would have been weird to see Bruce. Look, I, I brought this up. I brought this up with a, a former uh, guest on the show who I who I love. I mean, Eddie Trunk's a great guy, but you know, like I said, when when Malcolm was no longer in uh, you know alive, when AC, AC toured, they didn't hire some twenty year old in skinny jeans who was running around the stage. No, they hired a guy, which I think was his nephew, that moved and looked just like Malcolm didn't Richie Faulkner and Judas Priest they didn't hire they hired a blonde guy who wears the mirrored glasses who looks like him and play and keep in mind those guys played great ultimately that's the reason they got the gig but don't think for a second that they didn't think about their image they well, they're, all, trying, they're trying to soften the blow of course and rightfully so I mean it's great if you can get somebody who plays great and kind of looks like them, then great. You know, but when you're putting someone's makeup on, that's a different story. You know, I mean. Oh, I I, I, I totally disagree. I, I think Tommy showing up in this space, man, I have zero problem with it. Zero. Well, that's, what, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Um, there's no problem with that. And, and To me, that's no different than getting somebody who looks like Malcolm to walk back and forth. I uh, just like Malcolm did. What's well, it's easier because he is, his last name's Young too, I think. So. Yeah. Well, also, I, I you know, I shit. Tommy's. I'm trying to think. I think Tommy was with me. Um, I forget what show it was this year. We were we were at a show. Oh, it had to have been the Minneapolis show. The guy, two behind us, who was probably my age. He'd probably been allegedly overserved a little bit. He kept screaming for Ace. He had no fucking clue. I, that that happened to me at the Oakland show just before the COVID shutdown. I was just like, there there was a guy who was just like, let Ace loose, let Ace loose on stage. <laughs> okay, you know. Well, well you know, every, that, mean, that means Tommy's doing a great job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah, even in a band like I, I, I went and saw 
um, Jay Giles. That was like the last show they played here. And um, they were always really big here. But I knew that Jay was, Jay had already passed away. They had somebody playing guitar and this guy's like, man, Jay's on fire tonight. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're look, I think it's awesome that you're here. And I mean that, and I mean that totally sincerely. He doesn't need to know that Jay Giles, the guitar player, Jay Giles, is no longer in his own band. But yeah. they were they were playing and they were kicking ass and sounding great. You don't need to ruin and, the guy's good time. Correct. Yeah. I, I didn't want to go, hey, you know what? It kind of goes back to that Gene Simmons thing. You know what? Everybody believes in Santa Claus. You're going to go and go, hey, that's really your dad with the, you know. Look, someone's enjoying it. Let them fucking enjoy it. Who cares? You know what I mean? If you're at a Kiss concert, most most people there, and you guys know it too, when Paul asked that question, you know, is this your first Kiss concert? A whole bunch of people put their hands up. They want to see Kiss. And they want to see what the most popular version looked like. And they want to see the and, image. It's... Yeah, they, they look great. They sound great. I, I love the end of the road tour. I can't wait till it picks back up. I, you know, again, very, very lucky. I saw three shows in 2020. That's three more than most KISS fans got to do. And I realize how lucky I am. And, you know, it's been a tough year for everybody, you know. So, PJ, oh, have you, God have, have, PJ, have you uh, taken your kids to see KISS? No, I have not. I haven't seen any, I haven't seen Kiss in. It was nice to my song. No, the answer is no. I haven't seen taking my kids well, to Kiss. You know, if 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 and when things ramp up again, you got to take them to the end of the road tour because yeah. it is. I'll take them to go see Billie Eilish first, and then maybe look them see Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Barter system. You know. <laughs> I my my daughter I took her when she was 3 to a Kiss show mainly just to go meet the band cuz I'd worked with them and it, watching she only could make it through one song because the concussion bombs scared the crap out of her yeah, yeah but until those concussion bombs went off at the end of the song it was eyes wide open jaw dropped oh my god what am I watching now the next concert I took her to was Jojo Siwa so right. you know, you know, eyes even bigger, it, even bigger, and dancing around and everything else, and and you know, it, it was funny because you know JoJo Siwa comes out and she's all glitzy and glammy, and she's got a star on one of her eyes, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, none of the none of the five year olds in this concert know what that means, but right. I'm like. Thumbs up, Jojo. I know what your what your influence here is. You're you're clear, she, Yeah, she's clearly influenced by 70s rock. I mean, she did a big medley of uh, Elton John tunes in the middle of her her show. It's like yeah, yeah my daughter's dancing to Crocodile Rock thinking that's Jojo Siwa's song. I don't care right. if that gets her introduced uh -huh. to music. A lot of Jojo in here, too. Yeah, exactly. Lots of hair bows. <laughs> I got them, Um so PJ, you uh, you got a solo album coming out in what ten days? Twenty twenty fifth, I think it is. Yep. Tell us about that. It's your second one, right? Second one, yeah. It's called Accent the Change, and it's um, it's it took about two years or so to. 
to do from start to finish. Did it kind of all over the place. Did it in L.A. working with uh, the singer for Ra and worked with the Detroit guy, um, Chuck Alcazian, on a couple songs. Um, guy by the name of Skid Mills in Nashville. Did some stuff with Steve Brown and uh, got a nice collection of tunes that I'm really proud of. And it's, you know, it's pretty similar to the first one in the sense that it's sort of the same speed. It's got the same overall tone, but I mean, you know, it's a rock and roll record, guitar driven, um, but it's not your, like I always say, it's not the put the top down you know, and drive 90 miles an hour. Well, it, it, let's, it's not part two of the first Trickster album. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, let, let, let's be honest. I mean, you as a musician have to grow and mature and explore and do new things. You're not going to be playing Trickster. Right. Every album you do. Right. It, and it has, it has some elements of it in there. I mean, in the sense that, the spirit of it is, you know, it's a guitar-driven rock and roll, pretty basic format record. Um, but again, it just it's more of a, uh, a thinker, so to speak, um, lyrically. And, um, but I think the thing that, you know, has kind of like the first record had like a little bit of a 90s feel that people always bring up when they talk about my first record, Boutique Sound Frames. Like, yeah, it kind of sounds like that kind of mid-90s type of thing and the melodic side of it, you know, which is really cool. And um, they kind of weren't expecting that or expecting to really enjoy it like that, being that they, they're they used to hearing Trickster or maybe were expecting Trickster or, you know, if they see Steve come out with like uh, Tokyo Motor Fist and it's a very, you know, pop rock oriented kind of a frontiers sounding right. record, you know, and this isn't that. Um, but it doesn't have a forced feeling of trying not to be that. Yeah, I, I, it, it, do, it doesn't sound like, because I've, I've been able to listen to it, it doesn't sound like you trying to sound like something that's happening now. Right. Which I think, you know, again, timeline being everything, when you were coming out of the 80s into the early 90s, as music fans, we were dealing with a lot of that, where all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, is Warrant trying to sound grunge? That's, right. just, that's just not right. What's, what's Def Leppard doing on this album? That's not Def Leppard. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we had that time where lots of people felt like to be relevant, you had to try and sound current. Yeah, I think also the fact that, you know, I don't, you know, I didn't have... Uh, a label pressuring you pecking on me going, Hey, you know, you're not done yet. I need that one song. That's I need the single. Like, I need the hook. Yeah. It's like, I, that's not why I, I do these records. You know, even the first record was mainly written and recorded 20 years ago when realistically I could have went and tried to get a record deal in, in some way, shape or form, but that would have put me into that position to where right now I got to play their game. You know, and that's not why I wrote the songs. It's not why, because I was already doing that. I, I was in Ra, which was on, on Universal Records, doing that. Then Steve and I had another band that we were trying to get a record deal with, and we were trying to get, you know, affiliated with a record label, you know. So 
all those songs on that first record came out of, you know, not trying to be in either one of those bands and just doing songs without any sort of pressure or preconceived concept. Do you, do you, whether it was this solo album or the first one, or even the band you were talking about just now with Steve, do you find a lot of people are like, Oh, this is just going to be trickster. I'm not interested in talking to you. Not really. They're willing to open their minds up and give it a shot. Yeah. I think, you know, I think the, the first record surprised people again, like I said, they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what kind of record it was going to be. And although the overwhelming consensus was, it's not what I expected, but I really enjoyed it. And it's not right. something that I would normally go to, to listen to in the sense that it's not nothing else in it in my library or playlist, but I really enjoyed it. It was like good music just kind of snuck in. Right. Uh, do you, you know, it's hard to give a definitive answer on this, obviously with everything going on in the COVID situation, but do you hope to get out next year and do some shows in support of it? I hope to get out this year, believe it or not. I mean, you, you are doing some shows with, you just did some dates with Fozzie, didn't you? Yep. Did some shows with Fozzie in August. Me and Eric Martin did a couple shows in August. We're going to do two shows next week. We're in Cleveland and Detroit. Uh, well, New Baltimore, actually. Um, next Friday and Saturday. And Where are you playing in New Baltimore? Um, something Cafe. Are you there Friday and Saturday? Saturday night. Next Saturday in New Baltimore? Yes. It is I live like fucking, I'm about 15 minutes from there. Oh. It's, I'll, I'll come uh, up yeah, here. You know, diesel concerts prevent, you know, you know Mike. Yeah, yeah. No, we plug it away. Yeah, so it's storyteller sessions and the Motor Cafe. That's at the Diesel? Is that? I don't know. Diesel's not in New Baltimore, right? Yeah, well, Chesterfield Township, it's the same fucking thing, really. Motor Cafe, um, whatever that is, yeah. Well, I tell you what, if you're in, if you're, you're going to be here next Saturday, I'll take you out to dinner or something. Okay. You know if what? you got time. That might be a little tough because we're, we're in Cleveland the night before. Okay. Well, I was just throwing it out. I, I live like 15 minutes from there. All right. We'll definitely come out. I'll connect you two guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, show. But um, so needless to say, yeah, and then we have a bunch of dates planned for the rest of the year. So, you know, I mean, we're not doing stadiums, so there are venues that are allowing shows. Right. Some indoor, some outdoor. Um, going into the fall, obviously, they're going to be indoor. But I'd rather go out and play to, you know, play a 300-capacity venue to 100 people than not play at all. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Do you, uh, do you still get a lot of people asking you when's Trickster getting back? Yeah. <laughs> which is, is it, which is nice, but yeah, unfortunately I don't have an answer for him. You know, I mean, especially now it's, you know, we have to kind of motivate to, to figure out how we want to go about doing it. Um, you know, our singer is pretty much kind of bowed out in the sense that he, he can't really commit 
doing anything. I don't really think there's a lot of interest there for him to do anything, but also he's working pretty steadily in Arizona. And he basically just said that there's not much he can really commit to, if anything at all. So he didn't say, so I'm out, but he just said, can't really commit to anything. Would, would you know, and I guess the difference is getting Trickster to do some live shows versus recording another album. I would imagine if somebody said, we want Trickster to record an album, I mean, I'm just making it up. Frontiers came to you and said, we want a Trickster album on Frontiers. Would you guys have a, a tough time dealing with the fact that people probably want a recreation of the first album and that you're not going to be allowed to grow as Trickster? No. Um, we were, we've released two records in the last eight years. Right. And uh, we got a great reaction to the first one, New Audio Machine. And it wasn't, we weren't trying to be Trickster circa 1990. You know, we were just, um, it's writing songs. Uh, and same with Human Era, which came in 2014, I think. And it's funny because both those records came out and got rave reviews. And I'm like, it's just so weird. We're getting good reviews. I'm like, <laughs> I've been great when nobody's buying records. We're getting great reviews here. Guys. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, whatever, I'll take it. But so people really enjoyed the records that we put out. Makes you um, feel good. Yeah. And it didn't sound like Trickster circa 90, but it did not sound like Trickster. So it wasn't a contrived thing at all. It was just good rock and roll. Good. Good. I, 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 I'm glad to hear that because, you know, I, as much as all of us love, it's like, you know, we want Kiss to do another Destroyer or Rock and Roll Over. It's like, at the same time, no, I, I want a band that I love to do what they want. Not try and think they can create what we want. Because I imagine as a musician, you're like, that's impossible to do. We couldn't sit here and purposely recreate that first album. It's impossible. Yeah. Just, you gotta, you gotta, if you're gonna do it, you just gotta be honest about it. Do something that you really feel like writing. Don't, don't try to capture something with a net. You know, I mean, pull, use your influences and use, you know, don't underestimate yourselves as a band and as an artist. Say, whatever we write is going to be us. So let's not try to go, well, if, you know, on Love Gun, we would have done this you know, or whatever, you you can't try to calculate it. Just yeah. have faith in you as an artist that whatever I do is going to sound some way like me or like us and, and, and it happen organically. And, and as KISS fans, I always like to say, if you want to try and calculate and figure out what people like, you end up with the elder. All right. <laughs> A plunk. Exactly. Um, uh, final question for you, PJ. You, you deserve this question because you're a KISS fan. Did Vinny Vincent save KISS? Didn't we answer that with the quarantine episode? Yeah, but we, this is your episode. The answer you're, 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 you're not going to have Chris Jericho jumping in. <laughs> True. But I think I did get my point across in that one. Yes. Uh, I'll stick to my answer. No, he did not save KISS. He was a guy who contributed to KISS in a time where that was a fucking hard thing to do. 
work, oh, this guy comes in and he's contributing to KISS. It's like, so yeah, he contributed to KISS. Did he save KISS? No, because they would have gotten somebody else. Yep. They were looking for someone to contribute to KISS. And if it wasn't Vinny, they would have waited till they found somebody that they thought could have brought something to the table that would have been good. And we would have just got somebody else's contribution to KISS. And who knows, maybe it would have been better. And maybe that person would have not been a freak and would have stuck with it and been able to stay in the maybe, band. Maybe, maybe this other person would have legitimately saved Kiss. Exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe they would have been the only replacement. Yeah, you know, you know maybe we would have had revenge in 1984 instead of 92. Or something relative to it, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But no, he didn't, he didn't save Kiss. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah, he made a contribution and props to him for that. But so what? Yep, yep. Uh, PJ, where can people find out more about what you're doing, your album, dates that you've got, anything like that? Where do you want people to go track you down online? Uh, find me and follow me on Instagram at PJ Farley. Um, it's pretty up to the minute. And it's linked to my personal PJ Farley Facebook page, which I hate to say it, but don't send friend requests there because it's only, it's a 5,000 people limit. And, um, you know, yep. I just can't do it. I haven't been able to add new friends. Uh, I have a PJ Farley, a PJ Farley music page on Facebook that you can find. Um, and I have a website that'll be live again next week, pjfarley.net. And I, you know, I'm pretty, I'm out there. I'm easy to find. Put me in the Google machine, you know, go into Twitter's Instagram, Facebook, you'll find me. And, you know, we say this for all of the guests that come on here, but everybody go out, find the album, however you want to listen to it legitimately, do it. You've got to support people like PJ who are still making music, still releasing music. The only way that's going to continue is if they see people are interested in their music. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, we're still going to do it. <laughs> if that, if this isn't living proof. Exactly. You know. Well, you know, as we, as we said when we had Ace on last week, it's like, you know, okay, go buy the album to show his record label there's interest because maybe the record label will decide to do another one. Yeah, it helps. I mean, if you like what you hear, support it, share it tell people about it yep. and you, the people is really my record label in a sense, you know, I have a, you know, high volume music is putting the record out and they're going to do what they can to promote it. But it's really the word of mouth that's going to get any sort of help, any traction with it. Yep. Exactly. Awesome. PJ, this was great. Thank you for coming Thanks back, for joining me. us again. And great to be back. Uh, best of luck with the, uh, the new album. PJ's super nice guy, super cool. It was kind of fun to learn that uh, some of those background vocals on the Revenge Tour were a couple guys from Trickster as well. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool story. Um, you know, I, I also thought it was cool that I love hearing stuff because I kind of live vicariously through them. I couldn't imagine being able to open for Kiss. I mean, I know what that would mean to me. And, and here PJ's a big Kiss fan and you know, at that point, you're like, I don't care if we sell record one. I'm just going to be on the road 
you know, exactly, exactly what he said. It, we didn't care that the tour was bombing. We were freaking touring with Kiss. You know, Charlie kind of, you know, when Charlie Benante was on, uh, he kind of said the same thing. I'm like, oh, my God, pinching myself. I'm on tour with Kiss. Yeah. I mean, you never would. You, again, Michael, and I, we've talked about this on the show. And, and guys, look, this isn't a, a bragging thing or we're better. Or this, this is just, but this is just facts of our life. The fact that, you know, when the guys in Kiss see me, they say hi to me. You know what I mean? When, when Ace, you know, oh, I love your show. And, when, you know, when I saw him backstage with at PA, Mark, it's Mark from Three Seconds. You have no idea what that's like as a Kiss fan because you're, you know, but. Well, uh, I, you, you, you sort of do and you sort of don't. You sort of do because I think every Kiss fan to some extent has daydreamed extensively of something like that happening. Oh, I, 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 and and, and that, that's why I so appreciate that I'm in that situation because I remember back when I was that little Kiss fan going, oh, it would be so fucking cool to go hang out backstage with an, a laminate at a Kiss concert. And, you know, for it to come true was the coolest thing in the world. But we've all been there. We've all been there to some level of dreaming what that would be like. And trust me when I say it's like everything you'd hoped it would be. Yeah, that's one thing, you know, I've never been disappointed by the the current lineup of KISS. Um, I will tell you, you know, I, I remember, and, and I'm just saying this because it's a stone cold fact, as they'd say, I, I met Peter Chris a couple times where he was a jerk. I mean, and I've read lots of other people who said the same thing. And I've also met him when he's been super duper nice. Mm -hmm. But he seems a, a lot more hot and cold where pretty much every other one of my experiences with every other past and present member of KISS, is, they were all good. And, and for as much as we joke around, I, you know, look. The issues we had with a former guitar player with uh, the initials VV. I admit, every time I was, you know, in person with him, he was super nice to me. Everything that happened that went south, we didn't do. That was that camp that did it, not us. You know, um, I, oh, I, I'm just going to speak for myself. You know, nothing I did to the guy. I was always super nice to him. And, you know, so, I mean, all my interactions with KISS members and, you know, management and crew and I have all been very positive, you know. So, again, it just goes back to, like we say, you know, even my 15-year-old self, just even through this show, talked on the phone with Ted Nugent, talked, you know, with Dennis DeYoung, yep. you know what I mean? And all yep. Yep. That's, just, that's just stuff your 15-year-old self didn't even think was going to be possible. So then to have a story like PJ's where, okay, so, yeah, you got to talk to your guys and, you know, you know that, you know, you're a friend of the, the band and everything, but you didn't get to tour with them. I mean, that's I taking know. that. Up. I mean, that, to me, to me, that is that, that, yeah, you're right. That's a whole nother level. It's like you and kiss before the doors open, you and kiss are in this venue together. It's just you guys. <laughs> Just you guys. Oh, you want to go sit out out in the the hall and watch Kiss sound check? Sure, go ahead. It's like, fuck, that is just it to do that. Yeah, that as, as you know, as a musician, because let's face it, you know, um, 
you know, Kiss is the inspiration why I picked up a, a set of sticks. And, you know, one of the major reasons I still play to this day. And I could only imagine what that would feel like seeing your name on the bill, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes. Oh, my God. I'm in. I wouldn't care if I was 12th on the bill. <laughs> There's my name. And then Kiss is at the top. You, of the you know, and, and, and even though when PJ was like, yeah, you know, our interactions with Paul were never more than, hey, doesn't matter you're walking in a backstage hallway and Paul Stanley's coming towards you and goes, Hey, okay. You know, I don't care. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I was saying even earlier, um, you know, in the show, you know, when I, when I, I think it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Fort Wayne. Oh, matter of fact, it was uh, two of the shows. Paul came up and talked to me both at in Minneapolis and um, in Fort Wayne, you know, came up and just started talking about music and, you know, current events. And I know Tommy and I told the story at the end of the show in, in Minneapolis. He was telling us some funny jokes, you know, because it was just it was Eric, um, Paul, Tommy and I were just the four of us in the, in the hallway and. That was, you know, aren't, it's, it's, aren't, aren't those the moments where you wish there was a video camera just somewhere that just was capturing it? Not that you were yeah. ever going to post it on YouTube, but just so you could save that exact moment as it happened. You know, it's it's very surreal, um, you know, when that happens. Um, you know, it it it's just it's just really cool and. Uh, I don't even know how to put it into words. You know, those are just some yep. special memories that uh, you know that I have. It's just fun stuff, you know. Yep. Um, I don't know. Just because you spend, you know, I'm sitting in a room here that's packed to the gills with you know Kiss memorabilia, and you know, I get you know calls and texts and. Geez, I, you know, during the show, I felt bad when you guys, someone was texting me about some Kiss stuff, and it was just, like, silly stuff. So when he asked me that question about I was me for loving, I was like, fuck, I was asking, answering my text. I felt horrible at the time. But, you know, I, and then, then I sit back, and I'm like, well, you know who I am. <laughs> I am down here. It just, again, like we said, and it's funny, we've been mocked for it, but you can see how much we give a fuck. It does make me feel like I'm 12 again. Oh, yeah. and always, that, and always. That's, and that's what I love about it because how many things in, in your, in your life you get to do it. And I'm very blessed because, you know, I was telling Michael a few minutes ago before he hit record, you know, for me, I, Growing up, the two things I loved most were music and, and, and hockey. And last night, my, my season started, so I'm still doing that. You know, still into Kiss, still playing in a band. At, at 55, you know, it was it's just as much fun now as it was when I was 15. I don't know what I'm going to do when these things aren't in my life. Right. That's, the, that's really, as I get older, the scary part, because I love each pretty much equally. Um, I love skating. I, I, I love playing on a hockey team. I love playing in a band. I love collecting Kiss. And those things have been with me since I was conscious of that stuff being with me. So, you know, that's going to be weird when that when it all ends. And 
unfortunately, we know <laughs> at least one of those things, you know, KISS being a band or at least a touring entity, you know, we don't have another, but another year or two tops by their own admission. So. You know, for me, you know, you, as you said, that it makes you feel 12 years old and screw all the people who, who have a hard time when we say that. It's like, I don't Fuck care them. because especially, you know, what we're dealing with now with COVID, if there's something that can make me feel happy and l remember what it was like when you were a kid, I'll take that any day of the week as opposed to turning the news on and hearing what's going on and all this other, it's like, I, and I don't know, maybe people aren't going to realize this until they get older, but as you get older, you realize there's only one thing that matters and that's being happy. That's just it. And whatever makes you happy, go for it, pursue it. You're absolutely right. You know, um, uh, this past weekend, um, Liz and I joined, since there's no KISS cruise this year, um, Liz and I went on a mini vacation with our KISS cruise family. Um, the people we met on the first couple of KISS cruises, we've been, you know, hanging out tight. And they live in New York State. Well, the three couples, you know, us and the two other couples, we all met in Maine and literally just sat my ass on the beach and Eight lobster. I was and, just going to say the lot, the lobster market took a dent. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and you know what though? And, and I, I said, this is, I said, think about this. Cause she didn't grow up a kiss fan, but I said, if someone were going to tell you, you know, when you were 15, how important the band kiss was going to be in your future life, she would have just said, what do you want? Fucking crack, you know? And, when I think about it, you know, and, and this goes from not only you and Tommy, but all the people that I've met through being a KISS fan and ultimately, you know, obviously, you know, with Eric and everything, you know, one of them is a KISS member and just all the people who are just great friends and it, it's just amazing. You know, that's how come what I'm really going to be sad when this ends because forever there was always the next tour the next record. i know i know i mean that was especially i have the greatest memory of that being the case during the 80s it was just you just took it for granted that next year was a new album with a new tour followed by a new album with a new tour and that's pretty much the way it was it was creatures to lick it up to animalize to asylum there was a little break there for crazy nights but they just kept churning and it was like in my mind as a kiss fan there was never a thought that there wasn't going to be something next year never well, just as a fan i mean talk about the kiss cruise i should be seeing alex and pierre and 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 you know and darren and all my friends from overseas in a few weeks yep because for the last 10 years, I've seen my friends who, some of which were pen friends of mine. You know what I mean? I never thought I was going to meet. And now, now I see them every year. And, you know, and, and someone like Alex, who I met at the KISS Expos and, 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 uh, and Nico. And you know what I mean? These, these people that you met at the KISS Expos back in the early 90s. And you became good friends with them. And. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, for as much of the as uh, uh, the craziness of, you know, Facebook, there's a, 
I, there's still more good than there is bad. I, I love the fact that, you know, I hear from, from Alex all the time and hear from all those guys and, you know, look on my comments and, you know, Ron Whitmore and all the, the guys I met, you know, back in the fucking day at the Kiss Expos, you know, leaving comments. It's just fucking awesome. You know, the Kiss has enriched my life unlike anything else. And that's the crazy thing about it. You know what I mean? Yep. Because it's, it's, it's supposed to be just a rock band, but from, from speaking for myself and I know you as well, Michael, this is far beyond just a rock band. Oh, it's no. how it's affected our lives. Well, it, it, it's impacted our lives, but you know, I, I always will say, and I'm not joking when I say it, kiss is at the end of the day, just a rock band. And there's more important things in life family being more important and you know it's it's just a matter of setting your priority and making sure what's your priority and honoring that i mean i i will love kiss forever but you know as things come along in your life as your life changes you realize oh well you know this is more you know going to for me, I've always said this. Why haven't I gone on the Kiss Cruise? Because my daughter's birthday is on November 1st. It pretty much always falls on the Kiss Cruise. I'm sorry, but I will always go to see my daughter's birthday party versus well, the Kiss Cruise. I mean, but, but, but you're right. I mean, Kiss has had an impact in changing our lives for the good. Oh, for, the good. for sure. For sure. Um, Homework for this week. I think the obvious question is, uh, were you a fan of Trickster? Do you remember Trickster? Did you see Trickster on the Revenge Tour? What's your thoughts? What would you think? Um, and uh, have you checked out PJ's first solo album? And are you looking forward to a second solo album? Second solo album comes out, I believe. Let me check the calendar here. I think it's... The 25th, yes, September 25th. So uh, you're listening to this next week on the 22nd. It comes out three days after you're listening to this. So go check it out. Give it a listen. Let us know what you think. And, of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, follow us. And if you're on iTunes, subscribe and leave a review and a rating, and we greatly appreciate it. We do have uh, a guest. Okay, so <laughs> this is our 399th show. Today? Today. We just recorded 399. I'm not counting the Izzy train wreck as a show. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm calling a mulligan on that one. Um, so we have a guest next week for our 400th show. Can you fucking believe 400 episodes of talking about Kiss? That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So anyway, uh, we are out of here this week. We'll see everybody next week with a very cool guest. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.
so you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.